Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Welcome to Fit for Life. This is going to be a fun class today because not the normal lessons. As you're aware, for those of you that are listening to this after this Sunday, um, on the first weekend in November, we're doing what we call a freedom encounter here at New Beginnings. We're bringing in a pastor and her husband um, to facilitate that so that all the staff that wants to attend can go through it. And normally in Portland, when we did the freedom encounters, because we did them once a quarter in Portland, we had a pre-encounter class. And so Pastor Lydia and I got together and we decided, okay, we're going to bump the speakers around and I'm going to teach this Sunday and then next Sunday the pre-encounter material. And it's just basically to kind of let you know what's going to happen with that encounter, number one. But number two, to maybe give you some information on someone that you know that may want to come and so you can invite them. Let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are our God. Let us never take that for granted. Thank you that you have made a pathway that is obvious. You have drawn us like a magnet to your heart. And thank you that you have given us instructions and revelation. Now, Father, I thank you that everything that comes out of my mouth has been pre-ordered and sanctified by you. Let us say the words, Heavenly Father, that everyone needs to hear. And all God's people said... Amen. Okay, Freedom Encounter. Why would you want to come to a Freedom Encounter? It's not one of those things where people scream and yell and cry and throw up. (laughs) We decided a long time ago that just wasn't necessary for God to do his work. Not because there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but it just wasn't in the Bible. Now, the only time something like that happened was the man that had all the demons at him, and we don't have any of those at New Beginnings so far, so we don't have to worry about that one. And a lot of ministries that do um, go into that, I'm not saying, you know, talking against them, but sometimes it attracts people who like that kind of emotional fervor. And so the, our freedom encounters are designed, number one, for worship, but number two, a very personal experience between you and your Heavenly Father. It's gone through several different changes from the very first one that we had in Portland because our society changes. For about the last five years, I've been teaching that what used to be okay for us to do in life in order to be blessed was having to be tightened up a bit because Pastors Larry and Tiz were being pulled out of the arena that they had originally been called to, and they were pulled into a different arena. And as you move up with anointing, you have to kind of clean up your act. So I've been teaching that well, maybe I was almost 10 years now, because I was fully aware that what I used to get away with 15 years ago, I couldn't do that anymore. Not because I was maturing, but because the atmosphere around us was drastically changing. So I've got a book, and I told some of you that were here early, I don't think I've ever read anything other than scripture that has been so condemning to my spirit than this Jonathan Kahn's latest book, The Return of the Gods. And probably because I grew up in the 60s and 70s, 
And so a lot of the things that he talks about, it's like, yeah, I was alive then. Yeah, I heard that message. Yeah, I thought that was okay. So I'm looking at this and going, oh, my gosh, did I miss the boat? Could I have stood in the gap to keep some of this junk from happening? And what I've always appreciated about Jonathan Kahn is that he's very biblically based. And even when you read something and say, where did he get that? By golly, he comes up with a scripture for it. And what I appreciate about Jonathan Kahn is that he's very much like Pastor Larry. When Pastor Larry reads scripture, God has anointed him to connect things and to see things and to pull out of history things that we've never been taught before. Now, it's not because... He's such a genius, although he is a genius. It's because that message needed to be given at this time in history for those of us who had ears to hear and eyes to see to understand what was going on so that we could step into the call that God has for us. Everybody in this room probably already is aware that um, heaven is the home for a lot of people who aren't living a sanctified life. (laughs) We don't have to earn heaven, but we will probably see some believers that are left behind when the rapture happens. We may see some believers go through life experiences that we aren't experiencing because they haven't had the ears to hear and the eyes to see. Because of Jonathan Kahn's book and what he explained, I realized that there have been spirits released on the earth. My dear sister and I were chatting earlier today before the class started, and she said, you know, why, why aren't people making time to come to these classes? You know, there's a lot of information here. Well, it's that spirit of apathy. It doesn't mean that they're not saved. It doesn't, I'm not condemning them because I understand it. But it does show that the divide between those of us who hear the call and answer the call is getting bigger and bigger from those who are home Maybe praying, maybe doing something else that they're called to, but they don't have that same burning in their belly to come together with the the Christian believers to where they can rub iron by iron and get an understanding of what we're up against. Well, let me explain why we would do a freedom encounter. Yes, I have notes, Mitch. I always have an outline in my mind. As soon as I make a commitment for any kind of a talk, I have an outline in my mind. And then it's like, okay, Lord, you have to bring the pieces to me because I I don't just want to spit it out the way I think. My brain thinks very fast and is very black and white and, and very direct. And sometimes that's just not pleasant to listen to. So I always try to have stories and things that are, are a little bit softer, um, scriptures to back what I'm saying so that it's a much easier pill to swallow. And yesterday I was watching on, uh, I don't know which station it was, because on my television I hit 369, and that starts with Daystar, and then I just roll up the ladder because there's a lot of Christian channels that are together. But there was a man there talking, and I've shared with you before, God tells me, you know, yes, no, listen, stop. Well, the listen light came up, and it's like, okay. So I started listening to him. It's like, oh, this is a perfect example of why we need a freedom encounter. So pretend with me that you're a house. You're a wonderful house. You've got a great foundation. Your foundation is in the Lord. You built your house on the rock. Everything is going great. Your paint on the outside looks magnificent. And you have a wonderful family that lives inside. Lots of blessings. However, the atmosphere around that house suddenly was conducive to bees. And without you even knowing it, 
Some of the bees got started, and I think here in Texas you call them mud wasps. They build those little funny things attached to your uh, ceiling fans outside or your brick. So the mud wasps got started, and without you even understanding, the, the whole crew was up there. And any time your children went outside to play, because you have a family in your house, they couldn't play outside because of the bees. Now, that doesn't mean you weren't a good house. It doesn't mean that you aren't built on a solid foundation. It means that you allowed something that you were unaware of to get started to damage your house. Or it could have been something on the roof. A little shingle kind of got raised. It wasn't major. You kind of noticed it, but you know, you kind of lived with it. You'd had that shingle raised before, and then it went back down. But by your not paying attention to that shingle that was kind of moving up, you missed the fact that rain and water was getting inside. And suddenly, there was an odor in the living room, and you discovered that there was all kinds of mold in your attic. You had a good foundation. You were built solid on the rock. You were a good house. You had a good family living inside of you. But because you didn't pay attention to one of those little pieces, there was a problem with your house. Now, if I say anything that you think, oh my gosh, she knows that. I don't know anything about any of you. As far as I'm concerned, you all walk on water. But I did have some examples here. (laughs) When I got saved, I had a pathway that I knew I had to walk. And I veered off of it, you know, periodically. Um, But I always came back to the pathway. What I didn't understand is that that pathway sometimes had an elevator. And I'd be, you know, standing or enjoying the scenery, and all of a sudden, whoop, that elevator would move up. And it meant that my pathway had changed, and I had to change my actions. I was sharing, and I'm going to go ahead and tell the story. I woke up about two, maybe two weeks ago, and I was totally aware that there was about a six or eight inch And the only way I can explain it, it was like cotton candy. It wasn't sticky and gooey, but it was like dense. And I opened my eyes, and it's like, Lord. And he said, it's my presence. It's like, oh. I mean, I've smelt the Lord before. I've I've seen some unusual things before, but I've never seen this cotton candy. I was so excited. And so I got up, and I had my devotions. I said my morning prayer. It was like, okay, we're going to do this thing today. And then I noticed about halfway through the day, that cotton candy was gone. I was like, well, I know you didn't leave me, Lord. And he said, well, I had to because of your actions in your mouth. Like, oh. So then my goal became, okay, I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to watch my actions. Now, I wasn't out slumming. I wasn't in a bar. I wasn't doing those things. It was the, the, the atmosphere because that elevator had kept going up and up and up. The atmosphere had gotten to the point where I had to be different in order to stay protected and blessed. So I confess, I still have not made it through a day to get in bed at night and still have that thing around me. But I do know that when I come to church, not because of me, but because of you, God does anoint me for certain things during a service. And again, that's not because of me. It's because of you. And some of you may notice things that you didn't notice before that God is talking and doing with you during a service or in the lobby afterwards. It just seems like doors are opening for you to step in and say something to somebody, for you to smile or help somebody. It's called the spirit of excellence, and Pastors Larry and Tiz have always, always, always demanded, graciously, of course, 
that their staff have that spirit of excellence. The same gentleman that was talking about the house, he went on to talk about, you know, picking up things when you see something that's fallen on the floor. Yeah, I, I have that same anointing, Laura. And Don was teasing with me, and he said, you know, so is that your obsessive compulsive? And I said, no, it's just that I don't want to miss an opportunity to be blessed, and I know that God's watching, so I've got to pick that garment up off the floor and hang it back up again. It may mean that I pull a weed when I'm headed into an office somewhere. I've been known to do that as well, because I believe that weeds are of the devil. It doesn't mean that you're compulsive. It means that all of a sudden you have a spirit of excellence from the Lord on you, and you're going to have that excellence ooze out around you to the world that you live in. Well, that's all the good news about why you'd go to a Freedom Weekend. But you're saying, I don't know... I don't know if I, if I have anything. Well, that's the beauty of a Freedom Weekend. You don't have to have anything when you come. I never missed one in Portland. We've had them here when Pastor Zed and Cheryl were still with us. And I never missed one there either. Because every single time, the Lord would bring to my memory something that was hidden from my consciousness that I needed to deal with. Now, the beauty of it is nothing ever came in with shame on you. There was never any shame for anything that came up while I was going through a Freedom Weekend. It was more like kind of laughing, like, oh, my gosh, I forgot that thing was there. Let's take out the trash, Lord. And I could lean into him rather than hiding away from him. If any of you have experienced that hidingness, that's not God, that's Satan. He condemns. He's the one that causes us to feel the shame and to, to curl up and to back away from God. When God shows you something that he wants you to look at and fix, it really is a giggle. And you just kind of lean in and go, oh, Father, thank you for forgiving me. And then anytime the devil tries to come back and bring that up, it's like, nope, nope, it's covered under the blood. Go away, go away. Now, I'm pretty convinced that, you know, Satan can't read our minds, but he puts thoughts in there. And so that's my battle right now in order for me to keep my Holy Spirit cotton candy around me because I have these thoughts that come in, conversations, things that I kept my mouth shut and it's like, ooh, I should have said this. Ooh, I could have said that. I'm pretty sure that's probably what causes the cotton candy to fall away. But I do remember Pastor Larry teaching that, you know, by the words of our mouth, the sound of our words, we stir ourselves up. So I'm pretty sure that if I can catch those thoughts real early on, I can get rid of them so that they don't cause the Holy Spirit cotton candy to fall off me so that I can make it through one day at least with the, the presence of God. So you say, so how do I know if something's wrong? Well, number one, are you sad? Because <laughs> that's not of God. Now, there are life circumstances, <clears throat> life circumstances that cause us to go, oh, Pastor Jordy's wife, Pastor Inez, her daddy was killed this weekend in a car accident. And when we got that news, mm, we all hurt for Inez. But we didn't stay there. We didn't, there's a southern word, I think it's commiserate. Is that something? On the West Coast, we didn't commiserate. But I think in southern, I think you call that commiserate and you just ain't it awful. Um, Anyway, you don't, you don't do that. So if, you ha- if you're recognizing that sometimes you just kind of get into a spiral and you just keep repeating it and repeating it, come to the Freedom Weekend. Again, we don't delve into where it happened, where the wound was opened, where the tragedy happened. We don't go there because that doesn't matter. The why is the booby prize. The what that God is going to do for you is the glory prize. <laughs> So if you can recognize um, a behavior 
then rather than looking back, you can look forward and say, okay, Lord, yeah, I have been sad lately. I want to come. I want to dance. I want to worship. And I want to carry that home with me. So that would be the first one. That's nothing horrible, but it's just something that if you are sad, God doesn't want you sad. There's just too many beautiful things in the world to walk around being sad. The next one is if you're emotionally unstable. And again, nobody in this classroom. But sometimes you'll see people that they're high and they're low and, and is, they're weepy and they're up and down and everywhere. That's another sign that somewhere there's a bunch of mud wasps building something in your house. And they haven't developed yet completely, but we want to close that up. So if you know of anybody or you yourself kind of emotionally unstable, Come. There's lots of reasons and lots of titles that kids get in school and that um, women get uh, as they mature. Lots of labels that give us an excuse to behave the way we behave sometimes. However, that's not of God. So even if you've got a label, (laughs) you can bring that label and put it down at the altar and say, this isn't anything from you, Father, so I'm getting rid of it, and then move forward. Now, I'm quick to say... This is for normal range people. So there are folks who do take medication, and we believe in taking medication. So if something in um, your history lineage or whatever has caused anyone to have an uh, instability emotionally or whatever, meds are okay. So stay on the meds. A lot of that is chemicals anyway. It really is an emotion. But the, the chemicals that get out of whack cause the emotions, and then we make decisions based on emotions, and that's where we get in trouble. Number two, or number three, um, are you touchy? I don't mean physically touchy. That's the Brazilian thing. They touch everything and everybody. Are you kind of touchy to her? What did she mean by that? She didn't even say hi to me this morning. She's always said hi to me, and this morning she didn't. What's up with her? That's being touchy. When you know who you are in Christ, and you know how much you are loved It's real easy when someone does something, even if it is intentional, to just internally go, bless your heart. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to pick up an offense. It's not them anyway. It's Satan working through them. And why would I give Satan that kind of power? Nope, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to keep right on going. It was brought home to me this week. There was a circumstance where a change was made on a trip. And I had a reason in my mind. I mean, we didn't know the reason. I had a reason in my mind about why the the change was made. And then I was talking to Yvonne, and Yvonne gave me a reason that she had in her mind about why the trip was changed. And I thought, wow. Okay, that's a spotlight, isn't it, Lord? Because remember, he says, look. It's like, okay, so that reason that she said is something in her life, and this reason that I said is something in my life. Neither one of them belong, so I'm going to pray this one off and send blessings and love and and healing to Yvonne. But it was such a graphic example. I mean, me that I love and Yvonne that I love, both having different ideas about why something was changed, and neither one of us had any idea. It's like, how many times do we mind read Do we give somebody a reason for why they did it or why they didn't do it? Pull that out of your vocabulary and put it back in with a praise song so that if something happens, it doesn't matter why. 
The why is the booby prize. It really, really is. Satan wants us to keep looking for the why, because as long as we're looking for the why, we're off the path. And as we continue looking for the why, about happened when I was about five years old. I'm way back here. Now, don't you know some things that happened to me between five years old and hmm, how old I am now? So if Satan can get me that far off the path, then I've got to really dig deep and, and emotionally and get stable to get back to where I belong. Because however old or however young you are, God knows that, and he's given you an assignment with your talent, your gifts, and at your age. So we don't have to go all the way back there. All we have to do is just say, okay, I'm, I'm giving this up because this is not of me. Anger. Some people have... Um, Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. Don and I had a life group um, that was almost like a home church in, in Portland. We were quite a distance from the church, and so there were a lot of people on the west side that didn't go to New Beginnings that started coming to our life group because we had a lot of healings and a lot of things going on. And there was a man that, um, when we were in worship, uh, Don and I both discerned that he had the spirit of anger on him. And so we went through, you know, the lesson of teaching and the food and everything, and we were sitting on the fireplace hearth. And uh, he was in the middle, and Don was over here, and he was here. And uh, I said, do you ever uh, have a, an issue with anger? And I said, issue rather than problem. And he said, yeah, I do. And Don said, would you like that prayed off? And he goes, no. And I'm sitting there like, it's like, okay, Lord, did we miss it? And he said, no, I was giving him an opportunity to let go, but he's not ready yet. Don't force it. Don't judge it. So I just kept my face straight ahead, didn't say anything. We just kept going. And then after he left, Donald and I like, did you believe that when he said no? Because <laughs> to us, it was just so unbelievable. But it's like, and I don't know the why. I don't know. Maybe it was a control issue. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. The matter is that he wasn't ready to release it. So all of you are leaders in here, and if you come on the Freedom Weekend and you discern something and they say no, just trust that they're working on it. It's just not probably their, their time. And it could be that if Pastor Christine or her husband, Pastor Mike, if they see something, they'll be able to reach out because they have an authority as being the pastors over this to do things that you and I, we can help along, but they have the authority to knock it out of the park. So anger. The other thing is... Um, Deep hurts. Um, I told you I was raised in the 60s and 70s, and um, I, because I always saw things in my good Baptist church that I just loved dearly, they had no place in their theology for people that see things. And so it's like, okay, what am I and, you know, to what in the world's going on? And so I kind of got involved in a lot of New Age things because they understood seers. They, they were demonic seers, but I was a godly seer. And um, I thought, they would have these classes where you would talk to somebody that had hurt you to forgive them. And I remember thinking back through that process, and it's like, this process isn't right. It, it, it's not anything that would be a godly example of how to get over a hurt, to talk to somebody who isn't the person that hurts you and yell and scream at them. I, that, that's not God. So praise God, I had some Bible enough in me that I kind of backed out of a few different things that we were in. The um, worst one, and I say worst because it scared me, um, we were at a healing symposium. Doesn't that sound just benign and, and nice? A healing symposium, but it had to do with um, non 
Christian things. And so we were going through the, this, these mind prayers, and I'm walking my way up, and all of a sudden, I audibly heard a voice that said, you don't belong here. It's like, oh my gosh, God, you're right. I don't belong here. And so I remembered all the doors that I had opened and I go back and I close every single one of them. And then I would get back back in my chair and it's like, okay, protect me because I've got another full day to be here. I'm in Seattle, Washington. I can't get home. So protect me. And I promise you, there were all kinds of things that went on in that training, and I never heard another word. I walked out, and people were just devastated with things that had happened to them, all kinds of craziness. And I'm like, oh, I want a cup of coffee. Nothing touched me. But I don't know where I would be today, probably not alive, if I had pushed on that door to say, I'm going in. And praise God, we ran into Pastors Larry and Tiz, because again, the Baptist church doesn't recognize these things. That doesn't mean they're not saved. They're wonderful people, and they study the Bible, and they do good work. But there's just a whole realm that God has for us that they don't understand and that they don't teach. So when we got here, then I started understanding, aha, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with it. And no, I don't see anything on any of you. That's not how it works. <laughs> but uh, if you have a hurt, bring that. And you don't even have to know why it hurts. Just say, there's just something inside of me, Father, that, that I'm, I'm, it's not even sad. It's just hurt. Bring that and let that be healed because God so wants to fill every single wound that you have, big or small. It may be just one little mud wasp who's found a place in, a, in your brick that wants to build a house but God will take that one little wasp away so that you don't have to worry about having mud wasps lying around on your brick. Nervousness. How many of you as a child bit your fingernails? Anybody in here? Bit? Oh, wow, good. I'll step over to this side of the room because no one over there bit their nails. Isn't that a strange habit? I mean, it's kind of cannibalistic, isn't it? And yet it's, well, let me think about it. You're, you're biting away and eating your own stuff. Um, I bit my nails up until, oh my gosh, let's see, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I think it was in the eighth grade. And finally I just stopped biting them because it was like, okay, my hands look really ugly. And I was getting ready to go to high school. And it's like, ah, I don't want to have these. And then it was pretty easy once nail polish came along. And believe it or not, back in those days, little girls didn't go to the salon with their mommies and get their nails done. My mommy did her own nails, and none of us did our toes. So, <laughs> But um, there's a nervousness that, that is on people, and they're just, not that they're jumpy, but you just kind of, and channeled in the right way, you can be extremely productive. But if you've allowed that to have some roof leaks, then there may be some things going on that you want to have God heal from that. Then the other one, which is really, I have to confess this one too, is being negative. I have to try really, really hard to stay positive, especially when somebody around me is negative. On Facebook, there was that little cartoon thing that says, you know, I really would would like to, um, how did it go? Something about, I would really like to tell you what's wrong, but if I did that, I'd be going to jail. You know, I really know what's wrong with you, but if I fixed you, I'd be going to jail. And it's like, okay, it's not my job to fix people. And that's hard when we see things or we know things. But God didn't send us into the world to fix people. He said, make disciples. And 
how do you make a disciple? You're their friend. You're not going to hang with somebody who's always mad at you, beating you down, telling you what's wrong. That's a sick relationship. So we have to learn to keep our mouths shut. When Don got saved, um, he would will tell you that he was saved as a young boy, and I, I wasn't there. I don't know. I just know that when I met him, neither one of us were walking with the Lord, so just saying. Um, anyway, I wanted him to get to church, and so um, I got back into the church because our marriage was going nowhere, and it's like, Lord, how did I get here? I'm a good Baptist girl. And God said, you know, well, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. I'm like, okay. So I got back in church and started, you know, listening and studying and relearning all the things that I had learned growing up. And I kept praying for Don to come to church. Finally, finally, one Sunday he came. I was so excited. And I was just shocked when I looked up at the pulpit. And it wasn't our pastor, who was a very sweet, gentle. He'd been a Quaker, for crying out loud. So his his voice was soft and melodious, and he always had wonderful, encouraging messages. And I saw this guy that was dressed in a suit that was wrinkly up on the platform being introduced. It's like, what in the world? And he was one of those screamers and yellers. He was marching back and forth on the stage and spitting, and you're going to burn and turn in hell. I mean, just go on and on and on. And I'm sitting there, because Donna's over here and the speaker's over there, so I can't really see Donna. It's like, ah, so this is what you bring. I get him here one time, and this is what you have. Oh, God, what are you doing? Judgmental, huh? So I sit through the whole thing, and Don and I both smoked at the time. And so, uh, and don't you think everybody knew, but we didn't know they knew. So I'm looking at the guy, and he does an altar call, and I feel Don, you know, move, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's headed outside for a cigarette. (laughs) Thanks a lot. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see Don running down the aisle up to this guy, and it's like, are you kidding me? And it spoke so sweetly to me. It was a mess, but so sweetly to Don's heart to get through everything that he brought in with him. And that's when he gave his life to the Lord. I remember that lesson, and I share it every chance I can, because if you've been praying for something and you think this is the wrong thing, what have you done, God? God is really good. He knows what he's doing. So keep your mouth shut and keep your attitude good. And it may happen better. But after Don got saved, um, there was a Bible study because that's what they did in the Baptist church. They made disciples. It's a clue. So Barney McLean asked us to sign up for a two-year Bible study. When we sign up for something, it's a serious thing. And so Don and I deliberately you know, talked about it. And can we make a two-year commitment? It's not in our neighborhood. We'd have to drive. Okay, we'll do it. And so... We were the only ones that were there every single time because we didn't understand that a two-year commitment in the Baptist church means when it's convenient, come. But we had a lot of people who came in and then left and came in and then left, but Don and I were there every single time. And about six months into it, we stopped smoking. When we were sharing at the end of the two years about what we had learned and the you know, most important thing, And I still remember saying, (laughs) Barney's wife's name was Esther. Uh, I still remember saying, you know, you probably didn't know, but Don and I still smoked when we started coming. And Esther McLean said, oh, we knew. 
And all of a sudden, I just saw this picture of poor Esther probably taking our coats, taking them to the back of the house, putting them on the back porch and waiting, and then bringing them back in again to give to us. So they were painfully aware of when we quit smoking. We would literally smoke in the car on the way to Bible study, smoke in the car, finishing up our lesson, and then go inside as if no one could tell. Are we silly people or what? Now, that's smoking. But some people have habits that are just as stinky, and they're unaware of them as well. And they come into the church, and we see it all over them. We feel it all over them, but they don't know it. So, again, I'm not talking to any of you about coming to the Freedom Weekend because of these things. I'm letting you know that a lot of people need this. And if they come in broken, smelling like smoke, love on them anyway. That's what they need. Making disciples means that you're nice to somebody. You're going to be a friend. Negativity. There's such a difference between righteous indignation and being negative. When the Holy Spirit reveals something in your own life, the first thing you need to do is just look down and check and say, okay, Lord, is this true? Is this really you? Check in because Satan tries to come in with scripture. That's what he did with Jesus anyway. So check in and say, is this you? And is it time for me to let go? And then allow God and the Holy Spirit to work with you and continue praying until whatever has been revealed to you is lifted off and you're back in the presence of your Heavenly Father. When we continued going to that Bible study, it gave us a foundation of Bible. Most of it was relearning for me because I was raised in the church, but it was Don learning it for the first time. And I fortunately listened to God when he said, don't give him the answers. <laughs> and when Don would go to Barney and say, what about this? Barney never gave him the answer. He said, I, let's see what the Bible says. And then Barney was smart enough to where he knew a couple of different references to give so that Don would look them up, read the scripture, and then Barney would say, well, what do you think? So everything that Barney taught us in that discipleship was not about teaching Don. It was about helping Don discover for himself what the truth was, where the issues were, and where to find it again in his Bible. He didn't look in Barney's Bible. He looked in his Bible. Now, why do I share that? Because all of you in here are soul winners. You all have people around you that are asking you questions. And most of us, I'll just say me, we want to give answers. We want to say, do this, don't do that. I believe at this time with all the spirits that Jonathan Kahn has identified that have been released in the world. And his first one, by the way, was trust authority. <laughs> and Jonathan has hinged them all back to ancient gods with a little g. And the trouble that they raised, the havoc that they raised, then sexual immorality, which... In God's camp is immorality, but it was a sexual freedom in the world. And then all the people that jumped on it. And then Jonathan explains layer after layer after layer of what's been released. That's what's going on in our country. When we listen to people and we think, are they blind? 
Are they deaf? Do they ever read any newspaper or, or anything? <laughs> yeah, they are blind. They are spiritually blind. When we were driving one of our hour and 45-minute trips in California, uh, my daughter had a, a radio station on, and Dom was just kind of changing it. And he just stopped from this one, and it was about the young people today who aren't voting. And the interviewer was saying, you know, uh, why, why aren't you voting? And he said, well, I'm from, and he named the foreign country. And he said, and I'm gay, and I don't see anybody in our government that represents me. It's like, Wow. So his orientation was he was so important in his lifestyle that in order to vote, he had to some, be, have somebody just like him to vote for. And I'm just letting this swirl around in my brain. It's like, Father, how have we gotten so off base? I said, well, it started back here with distrust authority. <laughs> and then the freedom of sexuality. And even that could have been stopped probably, but then it was like, okay, let's get God out of schools. Because if there's no absolute truth, then anybody can have their own truth. And suddenly we become a room full of people with their own truths and none of it matches up with the word of God. So as you read the book, you'll see the progression and you'll see the sexual mixing of male, female, getting rid of the family, children. And when you read it, and if you've ever been to Israel, um, the God of Molech was the one that, that people sacrificed their own children to. And literally, that's when a nation has really lost its soul. And I remember on one trip in Israel, and a gentleman made some comment about that. And I said, you know, America's way worse than that. He says, what? I said, abortion. Do you realize I've sacrificed my child because of the sexual freedom. I've sacrificed my child because I'm, my God is going to be success and money, and it's not right time for a child. Do you realize all the little gods that have been released in the United States that suddenly are showing up and we're reaping the consequences? Now, anybody that's had an abortion, you confessed it, it's covered by the blood. There's no problem with that. But the whole issue is the world is blind. The world doesn't see it. When you get ready to come to the Freedom Encounter, there's a team of 50 women who are fasting and praying every Friday, and they started the first of this month. That's just from New Beginnings. And there's another whole team that Pastor Christine has fasting and praying every single Friday because she said, if I can get people to fast and pray, then when Mike and I show up, things are broken off, and then we can really go in quickly and, and have deliverance. So I would invite any of you that would like to join the other women, and the men, by the way. There's, there's men fasting, too. Fast and pray. Now, whenever fast comes in, it's like, I can't eat or drink. Oh, my goodness. No, you decide. Is it fast breakfast? Is it fast lunch? Is it fast dinner? Is it fast television? Is it, whatever it is, you decide. And then when you do that, you make the conscious choice to be in prayer with your Heavenly Father during the time that you would normally be doing that activity. If you've already been called to fasting and prayer, then go ahead and fast. Be my guest. Enjoy. I usually fast one meal and then one other activity, and that's kind of how I commit myself. But however the Lord calls you, go ahead and do that. And realize that we may not be 300 people in this room, but we are enough that if we do our job connecting with God and pulling down the Holy Spirit, 
This freedom encounter can shake the ground and we can move in to what God has always had planned for this ministry and this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single person that's here and the ones, Lord, that are listening later on. Father, thank you that you are are moving through the ears and the eyes of these people, setting their hearts on fire for you. Let Let us all realize, Father, that this is a sweet time, that this is a good time, that you love us so much that you're calling us, calling us, calling us to get close to you so that you can take care of us. Now, Father, we lift up Pastor Tiz as she's getting ready to preach today. Thank you for the miracles in that family. Thank you that they have shown the light on how all of us can walk with miracles by the moment. Bless everyone here and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.